Good morning. So glad you've decided to join us today for another episode of Everyday Faith. If this is your first episode, we've been in a 30-day Everyday Faith Challenge, and it's not too late for you to get involved in that faith challenge. You can go on our website and look at our front page and find a link and be all about that and maybe catch up to the things that we've been in for the last four weeks. This is the fourth and final uh, message in this series, and we're, we've been looking at uh, a replacement for an online-only kind of faith, WWW, to a replacement that is far larger than that, and it's every day. The words we've been using are worship, word, and witness, and today is how that Everyday commitment to the word and everyday commitment to worship just overflows into our lives. And the word that labels that, that we'll talk about, is our witness. The theme verse for this series has been each week, Hebrews 11.6. I'll read it for you again. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I love the fact that he just lets us know that when we earnestly seek him, that's not lost on him. And he will reward us as we earnestly seek him. We've been looking at all the different kinds of things that we can do in this 30-day everyday faith challenge that God rewards. One of the rewards that we are talking about today is the life that is rewarded by an everyday faith seeking him to experience a a meaningful life that actually makes an eternal difference in other people's lives. And this is actually very core to the mission Jesus calls us to, to be his witnesses. We're going to learn about that together. What does it take to be his witnesses. And so point number one is this. Every Jesus follower is a witness. Every Jesus follower is a witness. But let's just acknowledge the fact that most of us are intimidated by this core uh, mission that Jesus has called us to, to speak about our faith. This whole series has been designed to help us move away from just a Sunday-only kind of faith experience to an everyday faith experience. This whole series has been designed to help us move away from a religion kind of faith to an everyday relationship with God kind of faith, to help move us away from an inward, privatized faith to uh, more of an action-oriented even more public faith. And when it comes to being a witness, it's becoming more outward and action-oriented, but uh, less privatized as we're speaking up for Jesus and being his witness in really a hostile world, a world that is not a believing world, and giving credibility to the name of Jesus, honoring him and expressing how he's alive and real in our own lives. And every Jesus follower is called to be a witness. In Acts 1.8, we read this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
If you're familiar with the map that describes these places, you'll recognize it. It starts from the center and moves outward until it gets to the very outermost parts of the earth. And so we start from where we are and we move out from there. And to be honest, when we hear this mission, which is core to following Jesus, to be his witnesses, most of us are intimidated by that. Most of us feel a little uncomfortable because it talks about talking about your faith with people who don't agree with your faith. It talks about us being witnesses in a hostile environment. And so a lot of us are intimidated by that because of our past experiences or our fears of what we think it might look like and the confrontations that could take place. And a lot of us think of those kinds of things are more private. Let's not talk about religion. Let's not talk about politics. We kind of throw it in there. Uh, let's just keep things uh, kind and calm between us. But Jesus won't let us stay there. He has started a revolution He's called us to join him in it. We're supposed to be followers, not merely fans of Jesus and say, go Jesus, but following him in this mission to help people understand what it means to have an everyday faith and to live that out. So there's no need to be intimidated. On the screen, I'm going to talk about this. There's no need to be intimidated. Here is what you do. So let's make it really easy right up front and then talk about that some. Stay revived through your everyday faith practices. And many of you have been doing this now for weeks, uh, every day. Uh, we're all doing it together. If you've just joined us, you can find out what it is that we've been through. You might want to develop these everyday habits, and it would be helpful to you because it helps you stay revived through these practices. Then pray for and look for opportunities to meet unbelievers. And you're more intentional about this. You're literally praying to meet unbelievers. If you don't have close relationship with unbelievers, you want to develop that. And then you're looking for opportunities. Build relationships with them by loving them and serving them. Then simply follow God's leading. This is important. You're not just trying to make things happen. You're following God's leading. And then we're ready for point number two. Point number two. Talk about what you have experienced. After you've done all of those things where you're in this everyday faith and it's just something very real for you, here's how it manifests itself as witnesses of Jesus. And Jesus calls this my witnesses. Talk about what you have experienced. In Acts 22:15, we read, since you will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard. So you're going to be talking about what you've experienced, what you have seen and heard. Acts 4.20, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. So just to bring some clarity there on the screen is our, uh, a few thoughts. You cannot be a witness if you have not witnessed it. You're only witnessing about what you have seen and heard. And some of you are thinking, wait, but we've never seen God. We've never seen Jesus. How can we witness be Jesus' witnesses. Oh, Jesus is resurrected. <laughs> God is real. And this everyday faith will bring that reality to such vividness in your life. You're going to have an experience that is easy to talk about. That's the point. 
Now, this term witness is a court of law term. It was back then. It still is today. In a court of law, a witness testifies about what was personally experienced firsthand. This is also true as we are talking about being a witness for Jesus. It's talking about what you have personally experienced in a personal relationship with God through Jesus. And because he has now gifted us the Holy Spirit, because our sins have been taken care of on the cross, we now begin to experience this everyday reviving, this everyday reality that we're excited about and we begin to talk about. So talk about what you have experienced. Point number three. This is your testimony about God's power. What we're talking about when we're talking about our experiences, we're talking about God's power and what it has done in our lives and what God's power has done uh, in the past as well, what Jesus has done to accomplish that for us. All right, back to Acts 1.8, where we have this mission described. I've read it already. Let's read it again with a few uh, under, uh, points of emphasis. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's the implication. Only by experiencing the Holy Spirit's power in your life are you equipped to be one of Jesus' witnesses. So if you have been thinking about this concept of witnessing or sharing your testimony or or trying to convince other people to uh, come to church or believe in God or follow Jesus, if if you're doing this out of duty and out of self-effort and just trying to make this happen, um, you're getting ahead of yourself. What Jesus said is, is to wait and receive the power of the Holy Spirit Once you've had an established personal relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit enters into your life and will equip you, empower you to be witnesses. So if you've not experienced God's life-transforming power, the Holy Spirit literally changing your life, you don't have a whole lot to talk about, and that's part of the intimidation of talking about Jesus. Now... Having said that, um, your testimony is expressing your story. It's expressing what God has done and expressing how these changes have come about. Now, sometimes just saying that makes people feel even more intimidated. It's like, I don't have a testimony. I haven't seen some massive changes. Well, let me be careful to help you understand. This doesn't mean you are perfect. This doesn't mean that you're so cleaned up, now you're able to talk about this massive change from total rack to total perfection. That is not what we're talking about here. Um, And so I want us to understand that very clearly. So we're ready now for point number four. God changes my mess into a message. Every one of us is a mess apart from Jesus. Now, the basic Christian message is this, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, our mess, and that he forgives us our mess 
because he took that punishment upon himself. He absorbs our sins into himself. He literally is then buried and our messes are buried with him. And then he is raised to life and the spirit of God is what raised Jesus to life. When we believe in Jesus, he's offering us a connection with his life in which his experience on the cross becomes our experience also. That our old life is crucified with him is buried with him and that we are resurrected in a new life by the same Holy Spirit who resurrected his body to new life, his physical body, resurrecting our lives to a new life as well. And so our mess is washed clean so that the Holy Spirit can enter into us into a new life. We're made new creatures. Now, that sounds really neat, tied and clean, but In reality, it takes place in our decision to accept Jesus at face value and commit ourselves to him. He enters in because by his atonement, we've been washed clean. Now his spirit enters into our life and we're experiencing a union with him. That doesn't mean we can stay so tightly connected that we no longer sin. The reality is those patterns are well ingrained and we still have a a heart that deceives us and we'll slip into those patterns and every time we do, we create a new mess. And what we will learn in the process is the good news that he has given us a provision for us to be washed clean again to be restored, and even that process of being restored, where our sin, every time you sin, by the way, maybe you don't know this, every time you sin, by the way, your fellowship with God, your experience of close union with God is broken. Sin gets in between. God is holy, and there's a damaging to your relationship with God every time you sin. And when you become aware of that by the Holy Spirit whispering conviction into your life, there's something you must do for that to be restored. And it's not to work your way back to God and to clean your own act up. The thing that you need to do is be honest about your mess, be honest and authentic about your mess, and bring that before Jesus and before the cross again. The apostles understood this fully. John wrote in his letter, 1 John 1, 8 through 10, how this is done. Now, there's the honesty, what to do about it, and make sure you're honest kind of approach here. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So the key verse there of how to get this mess into a message, even after we've become a believer and we stumble and experience a broken fellowship with God and all of the messes that come with that, we've sinned. And as the Holy Spirit reveals to us a problem there, the first thing we need to do is not deny it, excuse it, and say our intentions are good or we're really trying or anything like that. Just confess the truth. And call it like it is, just like God would, that it is sin. And agree with God and confess it. And then when you do, it's like saying, here's my life. I've used this illustration before. Here's my life. Here's the dirt in my life. Agree with God because he's calling it dirt. 
The Holy Spirit's telling you it's dirt. And then immediately then, because you've humbled yourself before him, now he can clean that up again by the power of what Jesus has done already and fill you back up and restore that broken fellowship. Now he's filling you up to overflowing. So it's a way of reviving your life in an everyday way and keeping your everyday faith revived even though we are prone to wander, prone to have all kinds of messes. And it gets pretty exciting to be able to talk about how I'm experiencing joy. And so here's another way to put it on the screen. Address your mess with the gospel. And your mess can become part of your message. If we start understanding how this works, your testimony isn't just about that thing that happened a long time ago when you accepted and believed in Jesus and you gave your life to the Lord and said, yes, I want to follow him. That is your testimony. And there's power there. But there's power every day in our testimony as we continue to come to Jesus and watch him at work continuing to revive, continuing to cleanse, continuing to bring us the power which is outside of ourselves to live a life that is in union with the Almighty. And watching that work is amazing. We experience forgiveness and joy and overflowing life that we can talk about with the people that we have a, built a relationship with. Now, you can tell this story about how God, as you get to know this unbelieving friend of yours that you've been praying for and loving and serving and having all kinds of dialogue. And they know where you're coming from, what you believe. You can start to talk in very realistic terms. You know, I struggle with whatever it is you struggle with. And, and here's what I do. And when I do this, God just, not by any work of my own, he cleanses it. And he gives me a forgiveness and a new empowerment to walk away from that. And it's really works. Now, what you're describing, now here's a religious word for it, the Bible word for it. What you're describing is how repentance works. Unbelievers don't understand it. The word repentance means literally a change of your thinking, changing thoughts. When you change your thoughts about your sin as something you want to do and you like to do, and the Spirit of God brings conviction to your life, says this is not a good thing. You're out of, you're out of fellowship with God. It's, it, your, your peace is gone. What you're experiencing is not good. You agree with God, you're right, that's sin, that's not good. And in that confession, you have this change of thought, then you're bringing yourself back to God, confessing like you did originally, Jesus, I need you, my Savior, I need you. And as you do that, he rushes in. And when you say this kind of thing to an unbeliever, they might, they might not get it. They might not even believe in your Jesus, but they totally relate to your mess. And they totally relate to wanting hope and wanting change. And it becomes very real to them because what you're describing is, doesn't sound phony. It doesn't sound plastic. It sounds like real life. And that you found something that's working for you. And so it's intriguing to them. And so it's a very powerful message that you now can bring into your relationships with those that don't yet know God. Now, here's a quick example of one person explaining many different things in one little short statement from Roy Hessian. 
in a book that I just found to be very powerful. I've, I've read it twice now. I encourage you to consider it. It's an old 1950s book. Roy Hessian, he wrote, writes, It is only as I repent of my unlove that I have his love. Only as I confess my worry and lack of peace that I have his peace. Only as I confess my impatience that I have his patience. Only as I confess my resentment that I have his gentleness and so on. Now his book is filled with examples like this about how it's everyday repentance, everyday confession just continues to fill his cup, not by working his way back to God by any sense. It's like connecting with the gift that God gave him through Jesus. And again, it's just like John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, you can't help but talk about something that's so exciting as this because your faith is so real. It's like the light gets turned on inside because it's so vivid. Your life really is overflowing with joy. The peace is back. The love is back. The resentment is gone. Uh, the joy for uh, other people and, and serving other people and loving other people is there because it's coming from the empowerment of Jesus in you, the Holy Spirit in you, and the power equipping you to shine your light in this kingdom that he's called you to. Here's a summary to finish this series off. Stay revived in everyday faith practices. Pray for and look for opportunities to meet unbelievers. Build relationships by loving them and serving them. Talk about what God is doing in your life. This is real and it is powerful. I can't wait to see fruit everywhere. This is how God is going to change our valley. This is how God is changing me. This is how God is changing you. And as we begin to talk about God who's really doing these things, we're going to see lives transformed, marriages transformed, children protected, uh, crime rates go down. I can't wait to see that kind of reviving. But it begins with you and it begins with me. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you for this charge, this calling, this calling that's upon every one of our lives as we look to you and say yes to you and follow you, Lord Jesus. You began a mission to set up your kingdom and save people whose lives are a wreck. Lord, you've done that to my life that's a wreck and sometimes I still bump and crash it. And I'm so grateful for the provision and for the grace that you give. I ask you to help me to be more authentic, more real, able to talk about the very messes that I have so that the message might come through clearly. It isn't about how great I am. It's about how awesome you are. And allow each of us to begin to live that out in greater clarity uh, with people and be intentional about it in everyday faith. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you haven't uh, finished your Everyday Faith Challenge, we encourage you to bring that to a 30-day habit-forming place in your life uh, because it all begins there with the everyday habits in place. I'm gonna ask you a favor. Would you pray for me as I develop the next series? I believe what we're gonna enter into next is something that I think I'm gonna call deep
problems, deeper grace. There are deep problems in our lives, deep problems all across the globe, but there is a deeper grace that is the solution. So pray for me as I bring that into readiness for us next week. God bless. See you then.